Well, good morning again. My name is Julie Alsup, and I'm one of the pastors here at Faith, and it is good to be with you this morning. And I just want to take a moment before I start to, uh, to thank uh, Jenny and Randy and Jeff for blessing us this morning. Oh, my word. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bringing us into the presence of the Lord in mighty and powerful uh, ways. Amen. I'm uh, just I'm in awe of people that have those gifts. I do not have that gift, and I'm so thankful for those that do and that share it with us. So thank you. So we uh, are continuing uh, in our sermon series called uh, Second Chances. And uh, not, not Second Chances, that's the name of my sermon, Second Chances. Running with God is the name of our sermon series that we're continuing in. And uh, this morning, I'm going to take a look at uh, chapter 3 with all of you and kind of uh, take a dive deep into, uh, into that. So last week, uh, Pastor Tim spoke about Jonah's journey and his disobedience that landed him in the belly of a whale that led to this encounter with God. I uh, have been fortunate enough to do some traveling this summer. I'm hoping, hoping that uh, some of you have been able to travel as well. In June, I went down to uh, Alabama with some friends that uh, they have a relative that house on, house on a lake. And I don't know about you, but the water just speaks to my soul. It's one of the ways that I connect with God and then was back for a day and then flew to Florida with some girlfriends. It was just a rough June, let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, we, we flew down uh, to Florida and we were on the Atlantic side and uh, we went up to Cocoa Beach. And I don't know if anybody's ever been to Cocoa Beach, uh, but it's, uh, we like to go every year. And we go out on this pier and it's just beautiful. And we have a view of Cape Canaveral and then we're out in the water. So it's a little unknown because you're like, okay, I just have only water underneath me. And, um, but anyway, the surfers uh, just come out in droves out in Cocoa Beach, and it's so much fun to watch the surfers. And we got to see a couple instructors uh, and these little kids. And there was this little girl. She was amazing. Her form was like this. I mean, she was like something uh, on the movies or something on TV and, you know, rode that wave all the way in. And then there were others that, you know, were struggling, and they were on the board and off the board. And I thought, gosh, isn't that just so appropriate for today's message? of uh, the opportunity that we have to get back on that board, right, so to speak, get back on uh, uh, shore footing again, that God always gives us second chances. And there's another wave that, uh, that, that you know, that we've always got that we can uh, hop on, and we're just so grateful for the second chances of life. So I'll start out with just a, a few funnies. <clears throat> so why should we be encouraged by the story of Jonah and the whale? Because Jonah was down in the mouth, but it came out all right. And then why couldn't Jonah trust the ocean? Because he knew there was something fishy about it. <laughs> something fishy. You see, Jonah, he wanted things his way. It was uh, his way or the highway. And we live in a culture that says anything goes. Everyone has the right to be happy, do what they want to do, chart their own course of the waters of life. But we see in this passage of scripture in Jonah 3 that, that God saw the need for a course correction, if you will, in the story. And I believe that God still course corrects today. And we, we continue in the book of Jonah, and it's a take two, so to speak, uh, second chance. So here are these words from Jonah. Uh, it is the uh, third chapter that we're going to be in today, and I'm starting at verse 1. And I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. The Lord came to Jonah a second time, a second time. Some of us grew up 
uh, hearing, don't make me tell you again. Don't make me tell you a second time. Anybody recall that? Yeah, from our parents. Uh, they didn't want to have to tell you to do something another time. And, and some of you may have heard it more than one time, right? You like to push the buttons. You know who you are out there. If we uh, think about our lives, we reflect on the many second chances that we've gotten in life. Let's face it, life can be hard. In school, the teacher would give us a second chance to bring up a grade, right, if we hadn't done well on a test or maybe a paper that we turned in. Uh, maybe you've broken trust with someone or someone has broken trust with you and you give that person a second chance. Uh, second chances also come in the form of our careers, our jobs, maybe a second chance in marriage, sobriety, or addiction. Addiction is such a struggle and a stronghold. Overcoming is a second chance. So what does a second chance with God look like in your life? You see, Jonah had this Kairos moment where he encountered God, and it physically changed his course. And as hard as we try to save ourselves, we can't do it. We cannot be the savior of ourselves. We need a savior, and that savior is Jesus Christ, who took upon our sin, who died on the cross, was resurrected three days later, ascended into heaven, and sent us his Holy Spirit, who I believe is with us in this moment as we gather to worship the Lord this morning. You see, we don't chart this course alone. God is with us. So God says to Jonah, go and preach the message I tell you. Do you know? that you have a platform, an opportunity to be an influencer for God. There's a popular saying, preach the gospel and use words only when necessary. We have everyday encounters with God and we have this opportunity to model the kingdom of God. I want to share a little bit with you right behind uh, my neighborhood where I live. I live in Mason, just a, across the Butler-Warren County border. And uh, Mason built this wonderful park. It's called Makino Park. Some of you may have heard about it. Um, but it's a park that is designed for handicapped children as well as non-handicapped children to be able to play together in this park. And it is just, uh, just amazing. And whenever I have uh, my grandson, he's two years old, um, I always bring him to the park and he loves to go over to that park. And whenever I'm over there with him, I strike up conversations with those that are around me. And I've learned that people come from all over Cincinnati to come to this park because it has quite the reputation. Uh, several weeks ago, I met a, a family from Milford, another from um, Fairfield. And um, last weekend when I was there, I struck up a conversation with a young couple. And we happened to be um, different places. Like we were at the swings together and just different parts of the park. And so I said, you know, where are you from? And they said, West Virginia. And I could tell with their accent. And um, so we continued in our conversation, and I said, well, you know, what brings you here? And um, the, the mom proceeded to tell me um, that they have, which I saw they have a three-year-old daughter named Willow and a nine-month-old little boy named Judah, just a sweet family, that Judah had just undergone a uh, liver transplant, nine months old, at Children's Hospital. And uh, she said, we had to get out of the house. And I thought that that was cute because they're staying at the Ronald McDonald house for three months. Uh, to make sure that Judah is okay with, um, with uh, receiving this transplant. And I thought, you know, we think, oh, I got to get out of the house. Like, they had to get out of the Ronald McDonald house. Nothing wrong with the Ronald McDonald house, but, you know, that's their context. And I thought, for three months, that has got to be super hard. Uh, but Judah is doing, doing well, and so I'm, you know, talking to them and, you know, trying to find the right words. And, and I told her, I said, I'll be praying for Judah, and I would encourage you to pray for Judah as well. But 
when I went home that day, I kept kicking myself. I don't know if anybody ever has that same uh, feeling or happened to you. I think, oh, I wish I would have done this. I would have wish I would have said this. And I just was, you know, beating myself up. And the Lord, I felt the Lord whisper to me, Julie, there's going to be a second chance. You're going to have another opportunity. It may not be with this family, but maybe someone else. Because I was thinking, gosh, all of the things that I could have offered to do for them. Part of it is the gift of shepherding, right? But then also a mama bear. Those of us that are parents, you know, you just want to help. And, uh, but there'll be another opportunity, the Lord uh, uh, told me, is what I sensed from him. And you see, as Christians, we have a platform and an influence, and we have it in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at the Reds game, at a restaurant, even on a playground on a hot July day. You see, God works through us just like he did Jonah. So how is he getting your attention? Many of us remember our early days in elementary school. And some of us, we, we, we rode the bus, some of us, we walked to school. And at the end of the school year, it was a big deal when you got that report card, right? Now, if you remember those days, but you would get your report card. And you wanted to look at that report card to see if there was a P on there. Remember what the P was? You passed, right? To know that you passed to go on to that next grade level. And some uh, kids, they got held back because they got a second chance to learn in that grade level. Um, and, and I don't know about you, but if, I don't know if you remember that fear and that trepidation of what it was like to go on to that next grade level. It was a big deal. There was lots of unknowns. Uh, for me, for whatever reason, it was fourth grade. I don't know if anybody had a particular grade. And then, of course, going to, back in my day, it was junior high. Now it's middle school and high school, of course, um, definitely um, a little bit of intrepidation of what that would be like. But we know that whatever grade level we're in, so whether we're in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, the goal is to get to 12th grade, right? You want to be able to graduate. And we know that if we want to get to grade 12, we have to keep moving, and we had to keep growing, and we had to keep learning to get to that destination. You see, it's the same with our faith walk. It's not just a destination, right, but a journey of where we constantly are placing ourselves in positions where we're learning and growing with God. We see throughout the pages of Scripture those who continue to grow and learn just like Jonah did. So we're going to uh, take a, a few moments here to watch this video that I think illustrates this point pretty well. And I hope that uh, you enjoy this. Jeff's going to get this queued up for us. And let's have a watch. Good morning, Reagan. Good morning. Good morning, Madison. Good morning, Johanna. Good morning, Good morning. Johnny. People are always asking me why. Why do the same thing every year? Why not move on? And I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Johnny. Present. I'm comfortable. I know the routine. And I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty popular around here. I do really well in sports. Well, I'm just very successful here. Why would I go and mess that up by graduating? I mean, in the first grade, I may not know all the answers. D, D, dog. E. The hours are longer. I hear they don't even have nap time. I mean, I just don't see the upside. Then first grade leads to second grade, second to third. It's really good. Then you're in high school reading boring books with no pictures. Three, four. 
still hungry. Next thing you know, people expect you to get a job and give up summer vacation. <laughs> no, sir. I think I found my niche. Thank you very much. Home sweet kindergarten. Besides, I mean, what if I failed first grade? How humiliating would that be? Nope, just don't think I could handle that kind of embarrassment. That was not a good choice. I'm very disappointed. You know it's a good video when uh, you, you watch it by yourself in your office and you're just laughing out loud by yourself. There's this uh, quote by Martin Luther King that says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Amen? Amen. You've got to take those steps of faith. So where's God calling you to step out, of, step out in faith? And where do you want to grow in your faith and your relationship with God? Right? We're not meant to stay in spiritual kindergarten. We're going to pick back up in verse 4 of Jonah. Now Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed. The men of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. The men of Nineveh believed in God, yet their city was a modern-day metropolis with nearly a million people in it, and it was filled with sin, violence, was perverse, it was cruel, and it was wicked. I'm not sure if I've painted a dark enough picture of what Nineveh was like. You see, what doesn't seem right? They believed in God, yet their actions reflected something completely different. Jonah preached for three days as he walked throughout Nineveh. God gave Jonah a one-line sermon. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. It must have had a whale of an impact. I just couldn't resist. You see, friends, someone needs to hear what you have to say. The king could have responded in a variety of ways. How many of us have seen someone preaching in an outdoor event? I think many of us that we've gone to. Think of maybe a football game, a Reds game, a concert, a college campus, maybe a street corner. We see them all the time. Sometimes they'll be out there with a bullhorn, they might have a sign, or just uh, standing up on some type of uh, pedestal to, to preach. And many times we either drive by those individuals or we walk by those individuals and uh, really just kind of dismiss them without uh, any thought. You see, people could have ignored Jonah. I thought about this. I thought, I wonder what that was like back then compared to what it is today. People could have ignored him, just walked by him and paid no attention to him. And then we've got the king who had tremendous power. He could have uh, chosen to ignore him as well, or he could have had him locked up. He could have done all kinds of things. But the king humbled himself. Hear these words from verse 6. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne took off his royal robe and put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. And then he issued a decree to Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from their evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows? 
May God turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to, to, to put on the, the sackcloth and ashes. So it was a way to publicly and visibly show sorrow or regret for having done something wrong. So it was this outward and visible sign to say, hey, I've messed up. I, this is the way that I am repenting. Uh, the word repent in Greek is metaneo, which means to think differently, to change one's mind or purpose. You see, we're called to turn away from sin and turn towards God. But we also have this, this thing called repentant thinking, to change the way that we think, old thinking to new thinking. God moments that cause us to think about God in a new way, those aha God moments when we suddenly say, you know what, I'm going to shift the way that I see, shift the way that I think about God. The king had such a kairos moment from a seven-word message from a random man walking through this vast city. And he immediately repented, not only for himself, but issued this decree for all to repent and said, let everyone call urgently on God. We don't know much about the king of Nineveh, but we know that he was very powerful. And it would have taken an army to dethrone him. Yet he was willing to relinquish his seat of authority and submit to a greater authority. When you come to the king of the universe, the Lord God Almighty, what is it that you need to set aside? What is it that you need to set aside? In what ways do you need to repent? Whether that's sin in your life, and that sin could look like pride or jealousy or the ways that you think about God. I was, had, a, had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and she uh, listens to K-Love, and there was like a, just like a, a, smart, a short little sermon, uh, um, sermonette on the radio, and uh, the person was talking about uh, those moments in life when we become jealous of what others have that maybe we don't have. And it could be things like maybe a car, a house, a dream job, a family, vacation time. Uh, retirement, whatever that may be. And you see, we turn what God has blessed us with as not enough. And we develop an ungrateful heart. You see, gratitude turns what we have into enough. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. So repent and believe in our minds and our thoughts about how we see and come to know God in the goodness of God. So Jonah, he has this come to Jesus moment, right, as we know, and he literally changes direction. And the king also has this defining kairos moment in his faith, in his reign, uh, not only to not only save himself, but to save his people that were in his kingdom. So how many times did, did God, or how many days did uh, God give them to straighten up and fly right, so to speak, right, in Nineveh? How many days? 40 days. He gave them 40 days to straighten up and fly right. Why so long? Why would God give them 40 days to get their act together? To show his abundant grace. To show his abundant grace. Then God saw their actions and they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do to them, and he didn't do it. So a challenge for us today, where is God calling you to repent of sin in your life? 
Where do you need to change your thinking to open your mind to repent, to change your thoughts, and to believe and see God differently, to have this greater spiritual awareness? We're not meant to stay in spiritual kindergarten. God has so much for you, so much. We serve a God of mercy and abundant grace who offers us second chances. Amen? Amen. I want to share Psalm 103 with you, verses 1 through 8. Hear these words. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come this morning to worship and to praise you, to glorify your name. And Lord, we pray that the prayers that we have lifted up, the songs that we have sang, Lord, would be a pleasant aroma to you. We thank you for your mercy and your, your amazing grace and your forgiveness and the second chances that you offer us that when we get knocked down, that we can get back up and that you extend a hand to us to help us up. And God, we're reminded through the king of Nineveh to urgently call to God. So God, in these moments throughout this day and throughout this week, Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers, that we urgently call out to you. God, we pray not only for ourselves to turn from sin, but Lord, we pray to be a witness in our community, to be a witness and to share the good news with those around us. And Lord, we pray for those steps to grow in our faith, to take risk, to be vulnerable. Lord, to, to know more about you and to strengthen our relationship with you and to know you more. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people say, amen. amen.